0: piece of conversational wisdom to you, if you're ever in a conversation, uh, just keep this in mind. Did you know that whoever is asking the questions in a conversation is the one who is leading the conversation? If you like to have control, if you like to run things, a good thing to do is ask questions. You probably didn't know that, but I, I asked the questions, so I, I just see if you knew. Yeah, that was that was poorly done. We are on Sunday nights in a study called Walking in Wisdom, and we are studying the book of Proverbs. We're going to be covering Proverbs topically, so we're going to be working through it not uh, textually, verse by verse, but rather just rearranging the Proverbs and, and getting them into uh, a topical order. As we get into that, we're sort of laying the foundation, and uh, it's really good to see uh, the middle sections of the youth group. Your your counterparts, the, the back row and the front rows, were here this morning. It, it's good to see the middle rows of the youth group uh, back from Winterfest. Sorry, uh, I'm a bit of a squirrel sometimes. Uh, back to Proverbs is where we are. We're going to be laying the foundation for our study as we talk about wisdom. Tonight we're in Proverbs chapter 1, where wisdom is personified as a woman. Personification is a tool, a method used throughout wisdom literature. We talked about that a week or two ago. And tonight, wisdom is a lady who cries out and calls out and asks some important questions for us to consider. She leads us in the conversation, but the questions are important, and we're going to consider them one at a time. Our key text tonight is Proverbs chapter one, but we are in sort of the second half of that. The reason is uh, the first half of that is something we're going to get back to. Uh, the uh, writer of Proverbs entreats wisdom, and he says, "Hear, son, my father's in, uh, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching." We're going to come come back to that, but as uh, the writer uh, of of Proverbs, as they have assembled these proverbs, they Personify wisdom as a woman who asks some questions of those who are wise and also those who are unwise. I hope you'll follow along. Uh, starting in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, that's where we'll be. Uh, we see this approach of personification of wisdom happen several times in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter, you don't have to turn there. In fact, don't turn there. I forbid you from turning there. You will not turn to Proverbs chapter 3 uh, at all. Uh, she, she is more, blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding, it's Proverbs 3.13, which you are not at. And the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels, nothing you desire can compare with her. The writer of Proverbs says that uh, regardless of what the Dow hits, there's something far more valuable than that, and that is, uh, this young lady, by the name of Wisdom, maybe it's an older lady. I don't really know. It just, just personifies her as a, as a very valuable woman that you should know. Proverbs chapter eight again, don't turn there. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she stay, takes her stand beside the gates, in front of the town, and at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. Now that that. Is very similar to what we'll see tonight. And, and finally, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars and has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine and she has also set her table. So, this p- picture of Proverbs as a woman who um, is valuable, who has uh, a great deal to teach us. And now we hear the things which she wants to ask of us. And her questions really are out there to challenge us. They are, um, if, you, if you are a parent of teenagers, no offense to, to uh, middle of the group, present company excluded, if you're a parent of teenagers, uh, sometimes you will ask or tell them to do something and they may ask you a question like why, which is not really a question uh, it's an invitation to do battle. Uh, these questions tonight that wisdom asks of us are given, and they seem rhetorical. You say, what's a rhetorical question? Well, I'm glad you asked. A rhetorical question is something a speaker asks that he does not intend the audience to actually answer, but merely to elicit a response and a thought. And you probably already had that answer in mind, but... Uh, As we think about this, these questions, understand that it is designed, is wisdom's purpose, to elicit a response from those whom she asks the question. So we'll work through these questions about what wisdom wonders. Number one, why delay? We're in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets. She raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. She is asking us this question. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? First is, wisdom goes to where people are to the public squares of the noisy streets, which is, which would be uh, equivalent to the marketplaces. She goes to the gateway of the city, which is where they held court, if the story of Ruth. Um, wisdom goes to where the masses of people are. In today's world, where might she go? Well, she might go to any of those places. She might go to the public square. She might go uh, to um, uh, the marketplace. She might rear her head in the, in the legal system. But I think, you know, wisdom would probably go to social media. She would begin to ask questions of us. She she seeks to be where people are because people, you see, are often foolish. And so she goes to foolish people. And her invitation is, is a question which asks, how long? How long we love being simple? How long are you going to stay where you are? Now, sim- simple, we need to understand as the... English standard translates that. That um, I have nothing against simple. I love simple, right? I'm, I'm so I, I like iPhones. You know, they're just simple. They work. You know, they just they function. Um, if I could, my choice would be that I could go the Steve Jobs route. And in Steve Jobs' closet before he passed away, he he had every single outfit was the same. Set so of standard blue jeans, a, a black top. And he had that out, outfit in, in duplicity because he didn't want to weigh down his mind with foolish decisions about what to wear. I love that. That's simple. It makes sense to me. Um, the, the, the simplicity that we think of in the English language, that's not what Proverbs is talking about. It's not what wisdom is saying here. It's not what wisdom is admonishing. It is simple living or simple minimalist kind of uh, ways, simple simply means godless, without moral character, foolish, uh, as we talked about last week. It's simple to be that way. Um, Turn on television, watch, you know, I'll pick on somebody, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, okay? Jimmy Kimmel is a, he's a mocker, okay? That's what he does. That's his job. And that's a, the, the, the wisdom would say how long are you gonna how, how long are you gonna enjoy simple ways? In other words, it's sort of easy to sit back and, and just mock everything, and to take the put yourself in an elevated moral position, and believe that everyone else is below you, and criticize those that that uh, using your forum. That that's mockery. Wisdom says, how long will you simple ones love simple ways? How long will godless people love godless ways? Wisdom, although it's pictured and personified here as as a woman, sort of appears like Dr. Phil in this question. How's that working for you? That's where wisdom asks the question, how's that working for you? How long are you going to love that? Many people don't pursue wisdom and and. Wisdom is a lady that, that wants to be pursued, and she pursues us and desires those that pursue her. The question is, how long are you going to delay that? Will you pursue wisdom? You know, it's, it's sort of weird. Talked about sitting in your comfort zone. We, I mean, you can't see this. I can, you can probably see this, but I see this better than you. a vantage point of kind of where you sit, and a lot of where you sit is by life stages, Okay. And, you know, there's young, and then there's parents, and there's grandparents, and, I mean, there's just kind of these sections. And as I think about wisdom's question, her question is, well, how, how long before you begin pursuing wisdom? When are you going to do that? When are you going to seek God? Are you going to do it here? Are you going to do it when you're, when you're young? You know, Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure by, see, I, how can we do that? Well, the Proverbs, the wisdom literature says do that while you're very young. Well, not very many young people do that. But if you do, you're, you're wise. You, know, you wait till you're, you're older, you have a family, and you, you begin the course, you get to, you know, your 30s and your 40s. How long are you going to wait? I, I've seen people wait till. Really, the the end of their life, 70s, 80s, and 90s, before deciding that it was time to pursue wisdom. And God says, you know, life would be so much better if you'll pursue me early on, because you have that much more time to experience the fullness and the blessing that is wisdom. So why delay? Next question. How will you respond? Verse 23 through 25. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refuse to listen, and have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. Now, we're going to get to that, the mocking and the laughing and all of that, what that means, but and let's park on the first part of this. Wisdom calls us, and that's not always an easy call, by the way. Ste- step away from the spiritual. Just step into our world. You would think that you know, it's good to surround yourself with wise people. The challenge with surrounding yourself with, by, by wise people is that wise people will call you when you're being foolish. And they'll tell you in a loving way, hopefully, but, but maybe sometimes just they'll be straight about it when you're being an idiot. And that's not easy to hear. You, you would think that, that people want to grow wise, but that means sometimes wisdom has to speak to you and say, hey, that's kind of dumb. Were you thinking when you did that? That's not an easy thing to hear. Wisdom says, if you'll listen to my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I've called you and refused to listen, stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded because you've ignored my counsel. The question is, wisdom calls out to us, seeks us, desires that we know her better. But if we desire relationship with her, understand that she will be frank with you and direct with you and tell you. And there will be times for admonishment, reproof, and correction, which is all of what God's wisdom does. Wise people respond to that kind of instruction, and they grow from it. They learn from it, and they get wiser. That's good. That's what should happen when wisdom reproofs you or when wisdom says, Yeah, you're wrong. This is just not the right way. The question is, How will you respond to that? The Proverbs later says, in speaking of wise people, if you instruct a wise man, he will be wiser still. Some of the wisest people I've ever, ever known. We're always learning and always willing to learn, and and always taking the very humble position, never saying, "Oh, I'm the, I'm the wisest person here," never assuming the position in the conversation that they knew everything. In fact, they were they were open, mouth closed, ears open, and and heart and mind learning and engaged in the process. May we take that attitude and humility toward wisdom? May we respond? ...as she desires. The rewards, she says, are implicit in doing so. I will pour out my spirit. I will make my words known. I will stretch out my hand to you. Wisdom is like a refreshing fountain. And it continually pours into the soul. Proverbs 18, verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom... Is a bubbling brook. In other words, wisdom continually replenishes the soul. Wisdom is not. I used to think of wisdom this way because partially because of the story of Solomon. Like, God give me wisdom, and God blessed Solomon with this, this, kind of like this magical moment. And I know it wasn't, but. It just seemed like wisdom, in some ways, seemed like this elusive, mysterious quality that we got to hunt for. And and Proverbs says, no, wisdom is not that way. Wisdom desires us if we desire her. Unfortunately, too many people reject, ignore, and just refuse to accept what she has to say. And... uh, Will be the worst for it for not entering into that relationship. Wisdom, when we think of her as a, a, a woman, we think of entering into this relationship. You need to understand that there's different types of relationships. You, do you have people in your life that only reach out to you when they need something? Like you only get a call or a text. When, when they need something from you, like, I mean, you just like the phone goes off and like, uh, you know, you know, it's going to be something. Those people are engaged in a relationship with you, but it's transactional. It's just, I just need you because I need something from you. Wisdom doesn't desire that kind of relationship. In fact, wisdom has everything to give you. Wisdom desires a transformative relationship. Um, here in, in some time later this year, we're going to have a, a series on family and thinking about this whole uh, in, in the husband-wife relationship. Why marriages often have trouble and hit rocky spots, and and s- sadly, in some cases, divorce is because what is designed to be a transformative relationship where one pours into the other and the other pours... I mean, they're both continually pouring into each other. The the love and respect, you know, this, this cycle that Ephesians talks about. They, instead of doing that, they go to the other extreme, and now marriage becomes a transactional relationship. I pour into the marriage when I need something from it it might be a physical need it might just be you know going running an errand it, it, i mean it just becomes very you know just what can you do for me those aren't good relationships some people are only takers we only hear from them when they need something from us and sometimes those people are the people who are supposed to be the closest people in our lives we can be that way with with wisdom and we can certainly be that way with God. We, we, we've got to be very careful about approaching God only to get something from Him. Um, some only want God, and some only want God's wisdom when they, when they need something from Him. These are kind of those making a deal with God moments, right? You, you make a bunch of foolish decisions, you're paying the consequence and then you go to your knees and pray. Oh god, I'm so sorry. If you'll get me out of this, I'll go to church. I'll be, you know, that's transactional relationship. That's seeking wisdom only to get something from wisdom and that's basically to get me out of trouble. And wisdom says, I don't I don't want that. I want a two-sided relationship. Uh, if we will pursue her, she will change us and make us for the better. And if and as she changes us, Again, that's not a transactional kind of change. It's a transformative kind of substantive change. Wisdom desires what's best for us. So she changes us. We begin to have the blessings that come from wisdom. So how are you going to respond when wisdom corrects you? How are you going to respond when wisdom pursues you? She desires that relationship with you. She desires to change you. And she desires to transform your life if you'll let her. So what about you? Which way are you going to go? That's verse 26 through 31. That's where we left. <clears throat> I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror over, uh, when terror ch- strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm. And your calamity comes like a whirlwind. And when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me. I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge, they did not choose to fear the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, and despised all of my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way, and shall have their fill of their own devices. This is the truth about consequences. Hear this. This is the truth about consequences. Every choice produces a consequence. Wisdom, if we will yield to her, will bring the greatest blessings. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. The, the blessings are even greater than any sort of monetary blessing. Now, the monetary blessing will come if you practice wisdom, but the, the blessing of wisdom is far greater than that. Proverbs chapter eight verse seventeen. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. My yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, filling their treasuries. Wisdom yields many, many blessings. Okay, when when you hear someone say that they're blessed, if they, if they sincerely have been blessed, not just speaking strictly monetarily, but if they have sincerely have experiencing the blessings of God, that only comes in being in relationship with God's wisdom. It only comes in pursuing wisdom diligently. Foolishness, in the same way, yields many consequences. And these are some of the consequences that we read in, in, in uh, Proverbs 1, starting about verse... 25, calamity, terror, distress, anguish. All of those things are the result of, at some point, pursuing foolishness. Proverbs will speak a great deal about the adulterous woman, and we'll get into those to that in, in future lessons, but, but for just a moment, if you can think of wisdom as a faithful, pure, uh, godly woman, then foolishness would be a harlot. Foolishness would be the adulteress. Foolishness would be something which is continually enticing, continually offering up temptation. In fact, if you look at the earlier part of Proverbs one, this is the the whole point the father is making to his son, that sinners enti- sin entices sinners entice you. know there there is this tempting continual offering of the wayward woman. I'm mean, not speaking of a of a sexual thing here. We're speaking of uh, this understanding that wisdom is is seeking a relationship with us and we have to choose which way we're going to go. Does God desire calamity, terror, distress, anguish? And when you read that initially in service, it's like, man, God seems kind of harsh here. Why would he laugh at calamity? Why would he mock when terror strikes? Why would he bring distress and anguish? Why would wisdom do any of those things? Well, my simple view of it, because we rejected her. And not because she didn't pursue us. Not because she didn't want us. She, we, we rejected what she had to offer. So she is not taking issue. Well, she's not mocking us. She is mocking the consequences of the choices that we made. God does not desire bad things. But he will not force us to the good path of the good way. Part of free will is understanding that we're not free from the consequences. God gives us the absolute right to make the choice, but we will have the full-on uh, consequences to experience from, from either way, which, whichever way we go. And this is one of those things that you really can't remain ambivalent in, in terms of choosing foolishness or choosing wisdom. But choose one or the other. You know, there, there's, no, there's no Sweden here. You know, there's no neutral position it's just not possible. God does not delight in disaster, but this this laughter, this mockery, it's sort of this incredulous reaction to those who mock wisdom. And then they supr- are surprised when they suffer from foolishness. Yeah, you know, And I was really hoping to find something in the news that would give an example of this, but... Uh, None came directly to mind, but there are many times when I've read a, a story. It's like, well, obviously, um, I'll speak in in sort of general terms, but um, without a specific incident. That uh, the uh, the transgender issue. Okay? that's the social hot button right now. All the boys wanting to go in the girls' bathrooms, and and everybody that doesn't. Isn't okay with that as a hater and a bigot. And so and so supposedly thoughtful and wise school boards, people that are elected to look out for our kids, are deciding because of of one deviant, and in some cases very likely with ulterior motives who decides that he now identifies as a she and would like to go into your daughter's locker room and then in the name of justice and fairness, uh, everybody's got to be okay with that or be labeled. That's foolishness. And and most wise people go, well, we can see what's going to happen there. I mean, we can see the end result of that with the consequence of that path. And then it happens, and it's reported, well, uh, the young lady was molested today at her school. A camera was found. Well, oh, surprise of surprise. Shocking, isn't it? I mean, it's that kind of incredulity. It's like, really? You didn't see that coming? Okay, this is, the, this is the, that reaction that you have when you see where a foolish path is going, and people tend to go down the foolish path anyway and you, you hear the story or see the, see the event happen, and you go, oh, come on, really? Right? This is what wisdom is saying. Listen, if you go down that path, this is where it's going to lead. And here's what's going to happen. And you're going to go down that path, and then you're, when you, after you've walked all the way down, all the way down, way down this path, and all of a sudden you get here, and you fall, and you hurt yourself, and you turn around and you say, hey, wisdom, can you help me out a little bit? And I will stand back here and say, are you kidding me? I told you not to go down that path. Okay, I I hope that explains it a little bit. (laughs) It's probably way more than you wanted, but there you go. Look at Psalm, uh, Proverbs, no, Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 presents a similar set of consequences and circumstances, speaking of the leadership of the world. Psalmist says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burn their, uh, burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven's laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. God laughs because it's it's foolish for us to think that we can defy the ways of wisdom and not believe that we will suffer the consequences. The one thing that God will not do is he will not force wisdom. And by the way, the one thing that we should not do is try to force wisdom to others. I was thinking about that. Forcing wisdom is wasted energy. I don't mean, if if there is somebody who sincerely wants to grow wiser and learn and grow, that's fine. Lately these days, I'm trying to, use the following phrase more and more. Would you like to know my wisdom? Would you like to know my opinion? Would you like my counsel? Because I've learned I used to just give it to them, and and that was bad stewardship on my part. They didn't want it. They weren't asking for it. I assumed that they did. Not always the case. God will not force wisdom on us. He understands we have to choose that. And I think one of the keys of wisdom is not only realizing that we have to seek wisdom in order for us to attain wisdom. But we would do wise maybe if we would start using a little discernment in terms of whether people want or desire wisdom. Jesus did not tell everyone the whole truth he always told the truth. They didn't give him the whole truth. Sometimes he had much to say that his own disciples couldn't hear. Listen to what he said in uh, Luke chapter 13. We just came off our series of Luke last year, and I was thinking about this, about giving wisdom. This is verse 34. He's lamenting over the city where he's going to die. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent it, how often would I have gathered your children as together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Jesus knew, and this is, you know, 40 years or so till Roman destruction. And he knows what's coming. And it's going to be utter, complete, total destruction. And Jesus weeps for that, but he knows it's coming because they're headed down the foolish path like they had been so many times before. God will not force wisdom. He would love to give us wisdom, but he will not force it. May we, in consideration of that, remember that Not always do fools want to learn. Sometimes fools just want to be foolish. Our job should be to seek wisdom and to seek those who are seeking wisdom. In consideration of that, my my final question to you is this. What do you want? What do you want? There's a proverb that's not in Proverbs, but I'm a fan of. As a rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. When it's cool, he wants it hot, always wanting what it's not. That's a truism of life. It doesn't matter what season it is, we tend to complain about it. It's really cold, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like that. But when it gets really warm, we'll complain about that too. It's within our nature. You know why that is? Because we are discontent beings. Outside of God, we are discontent in nearly every form and fashion. So sometimes you really have to ask that question of yourself. What do you want? You want to be wise? I mean, we're going to study Proverbs on Sunday night, but that doesn't necessarily mean you want to be wise. You may, you could just be here because that's just what you do. But I'm not going to take any of this wisdom and actually apply it to my life. Nah, I'll just let the preacher talk about it, and I'll complain if he goes a little long. But uh, outside of that... That's really all I want to do with wisdom. God desires that his children be wise only, but he will only bless us with that wisdom if we want it. Wisdom desires a relationship with that, but she will only be in that relationship with us if we will pursue her. And if we choose not to, then both wisdom and God will allow us to go off with the fool, and watch and weep as we suffer the consequences of foolishness's path. Either way, we will eat the fruit of our ways. A New Testament passage, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, fits rather well here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked whatever one sows, that will he also reap. You cannot sow to foolishness and expect to reap wisdom. simply will not happen. If you want wisdom, if you want the harvest of wisdom, you must sow into wisdom. And you've got to want wisdom. If you want wisdom, you'll not only have her and find her, but you will have all the blessings that come with her. Safety, ease, security, you'll be without fear. If you do not seek wisdom, you'll have all the perils that come with the wide path. And there's lots of people that take the wide path. For the simple are killed by their turning away, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure. What do you want? Who do you want to be? Scriptures offer two paths. Jesus would call it the wide and the narrow path. One which leads to destruction. The other which leads to life. May we choose carefully and pursue carefully the path which leads to life. Wisdom calls. Wisdom invites. As we close tonight, let me invite you to... uh, something that we're doing on Sunday nights following the sermon called the Fireside Chat. In January, you've been tasked with the assignment of reading one chapter a day from Proverbs. So if you've been doing that diligently, then you should be up to Proverbs chapter 19 if you've read today's reading. Um, And tonight, you are welcome to join us for the Fireside Chat. We're just going to simply meet after the final amen. Uh, The Fireside Chat, as you might presume, because you're all so wise is uh, in the fireside room, and we will talk for about 20 minutes, and uh, I'll moderate the discussion. This is not sermon part two. So if you have some wisdom that God has taught you from Proverbs chapter 12 through 18, come and share, and, uh, and share how God is pouring wisdom into your life and how you're pursuing her. This will be in the fireside room, and so Normally, because we have communion prepared, uh, remember that if you are partaking of communion tonight, it will be down in the teen room again this evening. As we close tonight, I will remind you that God wants a relationship with you. He's always wanted that, but he leaves that to you. What do you want? Do you want a relationship with him? Well, good. That's the best decision you'll ever make. And that can only happen through Jesus the Christ. And the only way to Jesus the Christ is by doing simply what he said, to believe and be baptized. If you're not in Christ tonight and you're ready to begin your relationship with God, uh, we bid you come. We invite you uh, to begin that journey. And if there's some other way we can help you, pray with you, encourage you, we're willing to do that. If you have a need, please come uh, meet me down front as together we stand and sing.